So R. Allen Culpepper said this, quote, religious leaders, prophets, and charlatans have often claimed to be authorized by God's spirit. Today, with a fragmented church, cults sprouting like weeds, and mass media broadcasting the voices of all who are powerful or persuasive enough to gain attention, the ability to test the spirits is essential. How then can the believing community distinguish among the many competing voices? And oh, we have many competing voices, don't we? In fact, this was written in 1985. As I was thinking, how long ago was that? 38 years. Second man. I was, um, I was 15 years old. 38 years ago. But that was then. If that was described in this way, then think about what it is like today. And how much more important it is to test the spirits whether they are from God or they are not from God. Why? That you may not be fooled, that you may not be deceived. Oh, brothers and sisters, that's one of the things that we ought to understand. And as we gather together, we're here to worship God We are here to hear from God. We are to grow, mature in the Lord. That as we grow in sound doctrine, we may be able to discern, distinguish between that which is false and that which is true. That we may not be fooled and deceived and taken down the path of destruction. You see, the increase of antichrists will lead right to the antichrist who performs the abomination of desolation, as Jesus pointed out and pointed back to Daniel as well in Matthew chapter 24, verses 22 through 24. Jesus said, And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. You know, with the rise of the internet, streaming channels, social media, and podcasts in abundance, There is so much material to sift and filter through according to the word of God. And it is critical that we as believers stay alert and are able to discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. To the elders in Ephesus, Paul, whom he loved, warned. He called on the elders in Ephesus to, and called on them to stay alert. In, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the Apostle Paul said this to the elders. He said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. 
Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Paul had a heart for the people, and he wanted to make sure that they were well-versed in sound doctrine. That they knew how to discern themselves individually the difference between that which is true and that which is false. The question, of course, for you is, can you distinguish between those who speak, counsel, and teach sound doctrine and those who are, in reality, wolves in sheep's clothing? You need to pay attention to what they teach, what they preach, the fruit that they are producing. We need to be careful who we listen to. What you will learn this morning is critical to your spiritual well-being and growth and sound doctrine. Learning how to test the spirits to see whether they are from God, knowing how to distinguish between, again, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, as... Believers, I think, unfortunately, I see a lot of believers that are drawn to the new shiny thing. Someone who is charismatic, someone who is, well, popular, who's written a few books, who's gone on a speaking tour. We hear them, we hear of them scheduled to come teach on a Sunday, and we have more people than we normally would have because... Well, they're drawn by the person and not by the person of God, the the word of God and simply coming to hear from him. Listen, we cannot be gullible. We cannot be naive. We need to hold above all God in our lives. His word is to be preeminent. In a world where there are many false voices, you need to test the spirits to make sure you are not following something that will lead you into error. You see, the enemy is always trying to undermine, always trying to destroy and diminish your effectiveness as a child of God. If he can do that, you may not deny him, but he will dilute your effectiveness. If he can do that, then he succeeded. And I would implore you, I would appeal to you, I would encourage you, listen closely. Because you, as a child of God, need to be discerning. It's critical. It's critical. There are many voices out there. They're competing for your heart. Are you giving your heart to the right one? The first thing that John tells us, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the first thing, test the spirits. John begins with this warning. Speaking to the church, he warns against believing every spirit. You see, most tend to believe someone when they say they believe. You ask anyone. You you ask, most people will say, if you ask, do you believe in God? 
And the answer will be, yes, I believe in God. Wonderful. All right. (laughs) Because we don't want confrontation. We think, man, well, he said, you know, that he he believed in God. And so I'm glad called him brother and walked away. We are very inclined to believe someone when they say that they believe in God. The reason why we do is because we want to believe the best. And and we don't like confrontation. We like it when people are happy around us, aren't we? We do. Who doesn't like happy people around you? Most people have been conditioned to not go against the grain. Don't make any waves. Don't step on toes. But we fail to realize that The word tells us bad company corrupts good morals. So we need to be able to discern what company we're keeping. Do not be unequally yoked. What fellowship has light with darkness. So we need to be careful. As far as that's concerned, to not compromise. Because what happens is if we compromise, it's our convictions that are weakened. Over time. Over time. It's our convictions that are weakened. And then we are prone to being deceived, to being fooled, to being led away from truth. Therefore, John begins with this warning. Beloved, number one, do not believe every spirit. Number two, test the spirits whether they are from God. Because again, many false teachers have gone out into the world. The word used here for prophets refers to teachers. That is to teach, to exhort, to instruct. That's what this word is referring to. And all teaching is to be judged by and through scriptural standards. The local church, you, us here, are to behave like the Bereans as they were referred to in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, Now these Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they would listen to the word being taught. I I don't know, but I'm thinking that they made mental note as well as perhaps jotted down some notes And can you imagine this this, this group of believers would would go off and they would inspect the scriptures. Let's match up what was taught with the word of God. Does it line up? That's what they would do. We are all to be like Bereans. Testing the spirits. Not believing everything that is being taught. And I've told you time and time again... Don't, don't believe everything that comes from this pulpit. In other words, I, I do my best to make sure that what is taught from this pulpit is sound doctrine. But it is your responsibility to make sure that what is coming from this pulpit is indeed sound doctrine. That's your responsibility. 
and anything else that you hear. I know some of you listen to podcasts. Um, you've uh, gone on YouTube and, and listened to all and watch all kinds of things. And you got to be careful. Got to make sure that you're always going back to the Word of God and making sure that it is aligning with sound doctrine. We need to understand also that the interpretation of Scripture is not uh, our own private interpretation. It's not a, a personal act. It belongs to God. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. The interpretation of the word belongs to God. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Burke Parsons said this, quote, being cool, good-looking, full of charisma, entertaining, and a great communicator who can tell the best ear-tickling stories aren't biblical qualifications for pastors. But sadly, those are about the only things many churchgoers are looking for today. Can he hold my attention? Can he entertain me? Unfortunately, I've heard after services and, and after some people speak. Well, what'd you get out of it? I don't know, but he was funny. I remember this one joke that he told. Like, did you, did you, did you remember anything else? No, but man, that was good. He had me rolling and shouldn't be that, should it? Be the word. The word that resonates in our hearts. That has its way with us. Do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God or not. And here's how. John continues in verse 2. And he says, by this you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So the question is, do they confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Now, before we go on, I want to point something out to you that's very important. If we rely on our eyes, we are likely to be deceived. That which we see. But if we rely on God's truth, we cannot be deceived, for God's word is true and faithful. If we yield to the authority of God's word, can God's word be deceived? No, it is truth, right? It's sound, it's, it's true, it's faithful. It cannot be overcome. Because John has referred to spirits we need to understand to test the spirits because this is not a carnal battle, not a battle of the flesh, but it is a spiritual battle. And that's, that's something that we always need to keep in mind. It's a spiritual battle. We cannot rehabilitate the flesh. Nobody can. We need to reckon it dead. It is corrupt. 
It's a spiritual battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. This whole week is an opportunity for us to do battle in the spirit. Not in, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. He goes on to say, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Think about that. When we're gathering together in the spirit to pray, to fellowship, even right now, that there is a battle going on in the spiritual realm for your attention, for your heart. It matters. It matters if you give yourself to distractions and do not give God your undivided attention. It matters. Here's a litmus test to know the Spirit of God. This is what John was laying out for us. Do they confess that Jesus has come in the flesh? You see, this is where it all begins. It all begins in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem of a virgin, the Virgin Mary. But the baby became a man, the God-man, who was sent by the Father to die for you and I. To be a sacrifice, to atone, as we were reminded this morning, to atone for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There's no forgiveness of sins. There's no appeasing the wrath of God toward you and me. You think about Calvary and the garden tomb. Well, they stand as meaningless unless Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. Fully God and fully man. John chapter 1, verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we confess. The word become flesh. He dwelt among us. But those who deny the deity of Christ are not from God. And this is the spirit, as we read, of the Antichrist. Now, this doesn't mean that they'll deny Christ. This doesn't mean that they don't talk nicely about Jesus. They'll talk about how amazing Jesus was in the world. Say how Jesus was close to God, was even his prophet and a good teacher. He was gentle and meek and humble. 
they won't confess that Jesus was fully man and fully God. Mormons. Mormons are not brothers and sisters in Christ. They, they worship a false god. Mormons believe that Jesus is a god and also believe that any human being can become a god. Did you know that? If you didn't, now you do. Just because they have Jesus Christ in their title, Latter-day Saints, doesn't mean a thing. Don't be fooled. And this, of course, we can refer to specific teachings of theirs, Doctrine and Covenants 132.20. You can jot that down and look it up, Doctrine and Covenants, and there's plenty more. 132.20, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 345 and 354. So they believe that Jesus is a God, and anyone can become a God. Mormons teach that Jesus and Satan are spirit brothers. So enough with that. I mean, that's enough, right? That's enough to know that we do not worship the same God. And they talk nicely about Jesus. They're very nice people. Very helpful. They'll help you with your yard. They'll help you move. And they'll lead you right to hell. (laughs) Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is the Archangel Michael. They don't believe that Jesus came down from heaven, but that he was created at his earthly birth. And Jesus is actually Michael, the archangel, who turned into or was created as Jesus at Jesus' birth. Jehovah's Witnesses twist scripture. Even we read John chapter 1, verse 1. That verse, they twisted and rewrote it. Reading, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. You guys catch that? A God. Not God. This is the New World Translation. So, if you have that, put it off to the side. That's, that's not a sound translation. That is a wicked translation. <clears throat> Maybe you could keep it just for reference so you can look at what is written and twisted in their false writings. I give you those examples because it's important to find out what a person believes about Jesus Christ. And there's so much more. We could could go into other cults and false religions. But that's just to name a couple that are very prominent in our society today. They fooled many people. Antichrist has two meanings. Uh, The first one is instead of, which gives the idea of imitation or To pretend. We know that many will pretend to be Christ. Matthew 24, 5. For many will come in my name saying I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. Uh, The second meaning of Antichrist is against. This is an opposition which is described as the Antichrist. Who will openly be against Christ. The imitators fool people into being ultimately opposed to Jesus and exposed to and conditioned for and made ready for the coming of the Antichrist. 
being in full agreement. At some point, there will be many people who are in agreement with the Antichrist. And so it is important to confess that Jesus is fully man. But it is just as important to confess that Jesus is fully God. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And then John 10.30, Make no mistake, Jesus claimed to be God. For anyone who says, you know, he never really claimed to be God. Then explain to me this, John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. It was very clear that there was a reason why the religious leaders of that day wanted him dead. They were, they knew that if he wasn't God, then that was blasphemy. So the question is, do they confess that Jesus is fully God and fully man? And then we go on to verse 4. We've talked about Antichrist and knowing that we need to test the spirits for many false prophets have gone out into the world. But we need to also be encouraged. And John, uh, how awesome it is that he reminds us right in the middle of this. He says in verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I know that many of you probably have said that over and over again. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We need to be reminded of that often. Because what John is making sure that we understand is that in the child of God dwells a Holy Spirit. And for us, there's no reason to fear the Antichrist or Antichrists. In fact, as we see the day approaching, it gets pretty exciting for us. Because the Lord is coming soon. Are you ready? Are we we ready being filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we ready doing the work of the Father? In other words, being sanctified apart from the world and apart to the Lord and for His service. Whatever that may be. There's, uh, there's general commands that we are given as far as the word of God is concerned that we ought to be obedient to the word of God. Therefore, displaying our lo- love for Jesus Christ. And then there are specifics, of course, assignments that we are committed to within the body of Christ that we are to be faithful to perform. But he talks about this victory within The child of God is to understand and know that the indwelling spirit is greater than Satan and his demons and the world. I think a lot of times, too too much of the time, we give Satan too much credit. Um, A lot of times it's not Satan. Well, Satan made me do it. Nah, it was just, it's your flesh. (laughs) It's your own choosing. You did it. There's probably little to no convincing by any outside source. But we need to understand, hey, listen. Greater indeed is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Therefore, there is no place for fear in the heart of a child of God. Fear and faith cannot dwell in the same person. 
You're either expressing faith or you're express, expressing fear. You can express faith in spite of fear. In other words, you can, you can experience fear. And in that moment, acknowledge God and his faithfulness, his word, and choose to walk in faith and not fear. Um, do we have enemies as we are abiding in Christ? The answer is yes, in abundance. But not one of them is greater than the Holy Spirit who abides in you. Not one of them. J. Vernon McGee said this, quote, A man said to me once, and this is a story that he told. He says, I used to be in a, a certain church. This is what the man told him. And I was a high officer in the church. Then I got saved and my eyes were opened. I knew then I was in the wrong place because they were denying the deity of Christ. So I got out. J. Vernon McGee goes on to say, why did he get out? Well, he was indwelt by the Spirit of God, who had revealed the truth to him. Greater is he who that is in you than he that is in the world. So that there is no excuse for you to be taken in today by a false teacher, a false prophet, or a false teaching. The thing to do is to go to God and ask that the Holy Spirit lead you and teach you. If you are in fellowship with him, the Spirit of God is going to make the issue clear for you, close quote. But that's the key. If you are in close communion with the Lord, reading His Word, being in fellowship, praying, seeking Him, desiring His will, He will give you understanding. Any of you lack wisdom? All hands should go up. Come on now. This James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So when we ask for wisdom, we need to expect, knowing that he is faithful to his word, to receive from him that which is according to his word, and he will give us understanding. In um, in Second Peter chapter one verse three, it says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. We must rely on the word of God. We must be diligent to search the scriptures daily. Study to show yourself approved to God, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. So rely on the Lord, his spirit, his word. Rely on him who indwells you and not yourself. Verse 5. Now there's a contrast between them and us, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
us, them, truth, and error. There is a distinction. There is a contrast between those people in the world and those who belong to God. We are supposed to be a peculiar people. We are God's people. We are not the world's people. Our perspective ought to be different. Our desires ought to be different. Our goals ought to be different. John marks the contrast to be able for us to distinguish, to judge, to discern between those who are in the world and those who genuinely belong to Christ. I want to be in fellowship with like-minded believers. I want to come alongside others to be encouraged and to encourage. And so does the Lord. And John marks the contrast. A person who belongs to the world will speak as the world speaks. A person who belongs to God will speak the things pertaining to God. The word of God will always trump the word of man. Always. God's word will always supersede man's word, man's philosophies, man's wisdom. Man's knowledge. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it, it comes out of our mouths, ultimately, those words need to reflect a heart that is completely surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of this, it is important to discern between false and truth. False teaching and truth teaching. Ephesians chapter 4. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians in speaking of the, the local church. And this is what he has to say. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And so we learn, and so we grow, and we participate. Remember that, as we know, pastors, teachers, uh, those who are teaching, uh, my job right now is to equip the saints so that you can get fat, lazy, and just know a bunch, right? No. Not for that at all. It is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. As you do the work of the ministry, right? We are, in fact, facilitating the growth amongst us in sound doctrine. We're learning 
that it's important to know sound doctrine so that we can discern that which is true from that which is false. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That, those are the attempts of the enemy to undermine the very faith that has saved us. So we ought to give ourselves to learning, to growing, participating, giving ourselves to God's service to facilitate and encourage this. But they don't listen. Why don't they listen? Well, the answer is here. We go back to 1 John chapter 4. It says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. They don't listen. Why? We want them to listen, don't we? Because they are not of God. I know Christians desire to be heard because we want the world to hear, right? We want the world to understand and respond to the gospel. I understand that. Absolutely. That's what we desire. Our heart is God's desire. And God desires that none should perish, but that all reach repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. We want people to get to that point. We want them to listen, to understand, and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we need to be careful that we don't speak like the world speaks. Well, that'll get them to hear or listen to the message, the gospel. No, just... Just tell them the gospel as it is. Don't dilute it. Don't compromise it. The gospel in and of itself has power. Did you know that false teachers have an advantage in the world? They have an advantage. Because they appeal to the flesh. We don't have that luxury. We're not appealing to the flesh. We want God to appeal to the Spirit. In fact, J. Vernon McGee had a strong word. And he said this, I think it is tragic to have Christians use fleshly means to draw in a crowd, close quote. That's, if you, <laughs> if you think about it a lot, I, I heard of a, a church a long time ago, it was a while ago, um, that had, um, they were raffling off, and I won't tell you the church because you may want to go there. They were raffling off a Harley Davidson. Yeah. Oh, again, I won't tell you where because they might be raffling other things. We got to be careful. We really do as a church. The, you know, e- even this assembly right here, if, if any of you are here and you're not believers, uh, you've just come into the assembly of the believers. The church, church is for the believers. And so what happens is, is you see how it is that Christians interact, how they worship God. 
And then you come and find out why believers worship God and why it is that we gather together on a Sunday morning, praise God through our singing, and then sit and listen to someone teach for 45 minutes. Like, man, why are we doing that? Because we love God and we want to grow. We want to learn and we want to mature. We want to demonstrate our love for God. But we need to be a church. They don't listen because they are from the world. I know when I was in the world, I I didn't listen. I, I could care less. I didn't want to learn. But the moment the Lord, as J. Vernon McGee was telling that story about that man who was an officer in, in, a, uh, in, in a church, and, but they denied the deity of Christ. And the moment that he got saved, his eyes were opened. And he couldn't help but step down from his position, leave that church, and go somewhere where they were teaching sound doctrine and had good fellowship. He didn't listen before, but he did listen once he was saved. Those of the world will listen to false teachers, but those who are from God will listen to sound doctrine of truth. If a person hears and responds to biblical truth, then we know that he has the spirit of truth. And if not, then we can discern. It ought to break our hearts that he has the spirit of error. David Guzik said this, quote, John makes it clear that error has a spiritual dynamic to it. It isn't just about being educated or smart. Some very educated, very smart people can still be influenced mightily by the spirit of error. Since error has a spiritual dynamic to it, keeping the spirit of truth is a spiritual issue. Close quote. Truth and error, us and them, there is a distinction. We have to discern that distinction. So number one, test the spirits. Don't believe every spirit. Don't be gullible. Too many false prophets are out there at this very moment. Testing to see, we are to test whether they are of God or not. Secondly, what do they confess? Truth is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Anything less is false and everything that follows from that false teaching and that from that false belief is a deception. Don't be fooled by nice people. Number three, do not fear. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the the world. The Holy Spirit will give you discernment of what is true and what is false. And lastly, truth and error. Don't expect the world to listen to God or to listen to you. Those who belong to God will listen to God and to those who belong to God. The world will not. But we pray and we share the gospel and we do the work of an evangelist. And our hope is that more people will surrender their lives to Christ and be born again of the Spirit. That they too would know the hope of heaven. One day, see God in all of his glory. That's what we hope for. That's what we pray for. John 14, 6 
Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is known only through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Fully God and fully man. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. I hope, as it is God's desire, that each and every one of us would surrender our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, knowing, acknowledging that he died for our sins. He is the satisfaction of our sin. And therefore, if we yield to him, we know salvation and have the hope of heaven forever being in his presence. Beloved, test the spirits. Father, we are so thankful for the love that you have for us. Lord, you not only save us, but you instruct us in righteousness. Thank you that we can gather together as your people to be instructed and, Lord, to be admonished, to to be exhorted, or to learn what blesses you. And also, Lord, to not, not be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy, that we may be well prepared, Lord, knowing how to discern truth from error. And so, Lord, Lord, I I ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when we are tempted, Lord, that we choose to reject that and to instead walk with you, to bless you in obedience to your word. And so, Lord, Forgive us. Now forgive us, Lord. We, we all fall short of the glory of God regularly. And yet, Lord, you are the lifter of our heads. You are faithful. And you desire, Lord, that we walk with you in communion with you, having fellowship with you. I pray, Lord, that we would indeed express that to you. Our love for you. In Jesus' name.